Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the fifth down. I'm your host, Jose. With me tonight are Brad and Judy. What's up, guys? What's going on? Much great weekend of sports. One weekend closer to football. Um, fantasy yeah, yep. drafts. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's football's it's around the corner. Man. We're two weeks. I'm starting to see the TikToks of husbands uh, writing up a contract with their wives that they will be unavailable between the hours of 12 30 p.m. Eastern time zone and 7 30 p.m. Or yeah, 18 weeks. Yeah, and I mean the the greatest theme song. Dun 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 dun. I mean it's the and and now Monday Yeah, I mean and and then CBS is like dun 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 dun. Yeah. I mean it's it's it we're we're there. I mean you could you can smell it. It's it's just so great. Yeah, I know. It's 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 honestly like the best time of the year. Like, and now Monday Night Football is gonna be Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. That's freaking exciting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, plus uh, we had a great weekend of sports. You know. No, this is this is gonna probably put a damper on uh on Peyton Manning and uh, Eli doing their Monday Night Simulcast, right? It is, but I think Peyton and Eli bring something else to the table. You know, the Manning brothers. They're, they're just entertaining, and. When you watch it, you're not really watching it to watch football. You're sort of watching it to gain insights into other players or just into the game. You know, it's a different type of insight. Yeah. But yeah, this past weekend was definitely exciting in the world of sports. Like, um, you know, you guys are the UFC experts, but even I was shocked when I saw the results. What were your guys' reactions to UFC 278? It 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 was the greatest comeback ever in MMA history. We're talking greater than Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen triangle choke in the fifth round when Anderson Silva was losing. You know, in this fight, Leon Ed- Edwards was losing the whole fight. He won the first round. He dominated the first round, and he lost the, the next three. Going into the fifth, he was losing the fifth round with one minute to go. And he he hits uh, Kamaru Usman with the the uh, left head kick uh, where he feints the jab. And Kamaru Usman leans heavy, heavy, um, uh, or, or he, uh, he, he, uh, he just leans into the kick and he gets knocked out. The crazy thing, guys, is that Kamar Usman was on a 15-fight win streak. Okay, this guy, this guy didn't lose, or he hasn't lost since 2013. He was about to snap Anderson Silva's record of, or tie Anderson Silva's record of 16 wins in a row. Uh, that's how great Usman is. And um, some people say that uh, Leon Edwards got got lucky. You know, some people said you know he 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 caught him with a lucky a lucky kick. But if you look at the fight, if you look at how uh, Leon Edwards was um, pretty much reading him and breaking him down, he saw he saw that Usman was trying to slip um, or he was slipping that jab um, and he just caught him with the perfect kick, which, uh, you know, he's he's the champ. Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those things. Lucky or not, a win's a win. OK, you act like this guy doesn't train to do, uh, you know, a left head kick, uh, it's in his tool bag. You know, if he did something that he had never done before, then yeah, we can consider it lucky. Um, 
but you know, it was just one thing he tried and guess what? It worked and it only took one, one try. Yeah. And I agree. Um, listen, you don't get lucky against a guy like Usman, right? The dude, like you said, is a champion for a reason and what makes it great. Whereas with Sonnen and Silva, Silva was already the champ. He was, he was the goat, right? And with, and, and, and in this case, you know, you saw the body language of him coming out of the corner. He looked defeated, right? And it was just one of those things where, you know, it it, it all came together and he beat a, a well-established champion. So it's it's very much the underdog story um, and the underdog win, you know, last second heroics. You know, it's like it, it's like a team that has no playoff shot beating, you know, a team that's going into the Super Bowl. It, it's one of those type deals. And I mean, we saw the reaction from Joe Rogan and the guys. Um, yeah, absolutely unexpected, but well-deserved. Uh, if he can do it again, I don't know. Um He's one of those fighters that's really up and down. Um, he's not as consistent as Usman, but you know what? He's wearing the championship belt around his waist. Give credit where credit's due. Brad, Brad, he um, in terms of consistency, Edwards hasn't lost since 2015. So yeah, and it's not been... so much. It's not so much the the wins or losses. It's really just the product that he puts out in the ring. There are fights in there where it's just like eh, he doesn't look like. He should be deserving of a title shot, right? He doesn't look that dominant, and and he'll have stints in it. And perfect example in this in this one round one, he looked like okay, he deserves to be in there. But then you start to see it round two, round three, and it's just like uh, he might be in over his head. Uh, you'd like to see him get it more together. Now that you're the champ, you get the benefit of the doubt, and you know hopefully confidence goes a long way for him. So is there a possibility that maybe he spent rounds two through four studying Usman, just waiting for that opportunity? I don't think so. That that that's a that's a hail mary to put it out there. I think he was going to try everything, um, just to see what was out there. You go in there with a game plan. I don't think you're looking to put it out. You know, with with a minute left to go in the fifth round of a championship fight, um, you know, he, he just got him. Yeah, and how about the the edit that the I don't, I don't know what I forget what page you did it, but with the Rocky music, and then uh, Leon Edwards' corner, you know, telling him to stop feeling sorry for himself, and then just oh man, that I I literally watched that, I I, I watched that clip probably like a hundred times today and yesterday, like I I couldn't stop watching it. It was so inspirational. It was so. It, it it gave me it gave me chills you know it, it it reminded me why rocky was such a great movie why it was such a great uh, uh movie series and i mean it was just amazing i agree i mean and and now you know we have a new champ and now usman has to find his way back from the bottom well now moving on to part 2 of our um ppr fantasy uh football special um last week we covered quarterbacks and running backs tonight we're going to cover wide receivers and tight ends um so we're going to start out with the wide receivers uh, we pulled up the top 15 list from uh, espn for fantasy for for ppr leagues so what are you guys initial thoughts of the list do you guys kind of like does it does it look right is it missing anything um, you know, it's very top heavy. 
Um, I think when you take a look at the first five, it looks about right. You can argue the order, but those five should be there. And I think it just gets really interesting afterwards. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, definitely top five is, um, you know, you can switch a lot of the, the, those guys around, but in terms of the order, you know, I think it's spot on. Um, the question mark is once you get past, you know, the top 10, you know, you look at a, a AJ Brown at 13, you look at Terry McLaurin at 15, like those guys should be a lot higher. I don't think T Higgins should be at 11. Um, same thing with DJ Moore at 12. I mean, you know, Michael Pittman at 14. What what has Michael Pittman done to be at 14? Is Matt Ryan really an upgrade? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 and that that's the interest. That's the best part about fantasy football in the draft. I think you sort of have to come to those conclusion, conclusions on your own, and hopefully we can steer you in one direction or another. Yeah. So, like for example, the first four according to the ESPN um, PPR list is Cooper Cup at one, Justin Jefferson at two, Jamar Chase at three, and Devontae Adams at four. Personally, I have Justin Jefferson at one. You guys all know how I feel about Justin Jefferson. He is the guy that I consider who I will draft in the first round, no matter what what position I get. Um, but where would you guys would like? Do you guys agree with the way that this list is made so far? One through four, Cooper Cup one, Jefferson two, um, Chase three, and Adams four. Yeah, personally, um, number one, Cooper Cup. It's hard. It's hard to argue against the triple crown winner from last year, right? I, I can see Justin Jefferson, people taking Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup because, um, you know, there, there's an elbow thing with, with Stafford. Justin Jefferson has a new offense. It looks to be past happier. Um, Thielen's in decline. But, yeah, I, I think it's spot on. Cooper Cup at one. Again, it's hard to argue against that. Justin Jefferson, you know, his usage rate. He's he's just a great player. Three, Jamar Chase. I, I, I think he – I think that's – I think you might be able to drop him a little bit lower, but you're not going to. At three is where he should be. And Devontae Adams, um, I, I've seen him fluctuate, you know, as low as seven, but four based off of pure talent. He has David Carr, not Aaron Rodgers, but the dude's still the best wide receiver out there. Yeah, I would I would flip um Jamar Chase at the number one spot. Um, just looking at his stats last year, he had, um, in terms of uh, PPR fantasy points, um, he put up 304 points, 13 touchdowns, 1,455 yards in his first season. Uh, the reason why I put him number one is because I think Joe Burrow is a lot better than Kirk Cousins. Um, um, when we're talking about uh, Justin Jefferson and, um, and Jamar Chase, um, I trust I trust Joe Burrow a lot more than I do Kirk Cousins. Uh, in, in terms of the number two spot, I would put Cooper Cup, triple crown winner, had the most points in fantasy last year, 439 points, 145 uh, receptions, uh, 16 touchdowns, almost 2,000 yards, 1947. And then at three, I put Justin Jefferson. Um, I think he's gonna he's still going to have a, g- a good year. But um, in terms of um, in terms of can he go higher? I mean, he had 1,600 yards last year and touched 10 touchdowns. So um, I just don't see him going any higher than that i could be wrong but that's my list yeah and and i agree on the jamar chase take i mean jamar chase only had 81 receptions last year only 81 
uh, I mean, even in yardage, uh, Cooper Cup still had more. He had 1947. I, I think he just made the most out of his chances. And when we take a look at, you know, the top four or top five wide receivers, he's the only one that that didn't exceed 130 targets. He had 128 targets. So if you do project them to get, you know, the same type of target share as a Justin Jefferson at, you know, 160 targets, maybe 170 targets, then yeah, he, he should be considered number one. And I can see that, um, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things where you have to pick and choose uh, with Jamar Chase. You can toss T Higgins into that conversation. Um, but yet, you know, it is what it is. These three, I think, I think if they're your first wide receiver off the board, you know, if both both are available for you at round one, pick the guy you like. You know, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like that's why, like I like Jefferson, and I mean, I'd I'd slide um, Jamar Chase at two, slightly ahead of Cooper Cup. I think it's more like um, it's a matter of styles, like what you like, what you go for for your team, what you feel comfortable with. If Devontae was still with with Aaron Rodgers, I'd have him at three. But because he's now with Derek Carr, nothing against Derek Carr. But, I mean, I don't trust his arm like I do Aaron Rodgers. So that's why I think it's safe for Devontae Adams to be at four or or even possibly slip a couple more, you know. There's a couple guys we're going to talk about right now that, you know, might might finish the year better than, than Devontae Adams this year. So five through seven are Stefan Diggs, C.D. Lamb, and Debo Samuel. Does does that seem about sound about right to you guys? Yeah. Again, you know, I think you can pick and choose the order. This is where it, to me, I think it starts to get interesting because I think you can have questions for all of these guys, right? I've seen some lists where Debo Samuel is at 12, 13. Obviously, ESP, ESPM has him up higher. Um, but it, it, it's, it's just one of those things. I personally have, uh, CD lamb higher. Um, you know, I would go Stefan CD lamb. And then after that, um, I'd probably, you know, Debo Samuels would, would fall in five, five positions after that. But, you know, just going off of this, I, I can see the reasons why you would go for that Stefan Diggs. um, Listen, the targets and the production were there. What he didn't get were touchdowns. I mean, if you're going to break into the top three, you have to get lucky with the touchdowns. It, it's it's just the name of the game. And if he can just bump it up, I, I think he's he's going to be well worth it. And and C.D. Lamb um, at six, uh, you know, no Mari Cooper there. Can he be the prime guy? He's going to get targets uh, galore. Um, you'd like for him to be more efficient, but if he's going to get 160 targets, he deserves to be there in, in this offense. Um, you know, rightfully so. And then after that, Debo Samuel, I can see the usage rate. Um, it's definitely there. He's going to get you points in a lot of different ways. Uh, he's always going to have an opportunity. So I can see why ESPN put him there. Yeah, that order, um, Starting with Devontae at four, I think that's right. Um, Production-wise, I think he's still going to be elite. Uh, he is the best receiver in the game still. Um, and I, even though with Derek Carr being his quarterback, I think he's still going to um, have the production. Uh, maybe not maybe not the year he had last year, 
Um, he was second in terms of wide receivers in PPR with uh, 344 points. So um, can he get 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns with Derek Carr? 123 receptions, maybe. Um, but I think Renfro is the one who's going to eat um, in that offense um, when it comes to, um, uh, you know, catches and, and yardage. Um, five, Stefan Diggs. I had Stefan Diggs last year. And and like what Brad said, the, the, the touchdowns killed me. You know, I was expecting, a, you know, him to be in that top three. But, you know, he finished uh, seventh. Uh, which, um, you know, where I drafted him, you know, which it, to me, it wasn't good enough. And I think Gabriel Davis is going to get a chunk of that, uh, that production this year. Um, he, he, I think he's definitely going to step up um, in that wide receiver two position in Buffalo. So I don't see Stefan Diggs. I, he might have the same type of year, but I don't see him exceeding um, those touchdowns uh, going into uh, number Number six, C.D. Lamb. I think that's right. Um, he is the primary target now in Dallas uh, with Amari Cooper gone. Um, I think he'll have a big year. Uh, at seven, Debo Samuel. I think I think that's right, too. Um, I don't know if Trey Lance, um, he and Trey Lance have that connection yet. I know in terms of accuracy, he's not as, he's not as accurate as Jimmy G yet. Uh, so that's yet to be seen if, you know, if, if they're going to have that chemistry. Uh, but I, I think it's spot on. The only thing I would change would be I would put C.D. Lamb ahead of Stephon Diggs. I I think that I think C.D. Lamb's due for a big year. I think he is going to take advantage of the fact that Amari Cooper is not there anymore, and I actually think that he is going to take that next step. Um, the talent's always been there. He he has been a little inconsistent at times, but I think him and Dak are going to connect really well this year. I could see him finishing. Honestly, I could see him finishing as a top receiver yeah. this year. And, and, and that's why I think you would want to take a uh, CD lamb over Stefan Diggs because he actually gives you the possibility of being wide receiver one. You know, I think he has a better path than Stefan Diggs. Like, like Junie said, this touchdowns, I mean, he had 10 last year, but he'd get you, you know, one every four games. And then he'd had one with double digit touchdowns. So it's, it's just not there with CD lamb. I think he has a clearer path to the best wide receiver overall, number one and Stefan Diggs, It's, it's not as direct. It's sort of murky for him to get there. Yeah. And Josh Allen is such a threat with his legs, too, that, like, you know, that's the reason why Stefan Diggs would lose touchdowns, too, because Josh Allen sometimes just ends up running it in himself. So that's the other problem there. But now when we move on to 8, 9, and 10, this is an interesting order. Tyreek Hill at 8, Keenan Allen at 9, and Mike Evans at 10. Like, I, I feel like there is like the first one right there where I feel like he is way too low on the list. I feel like Mike Evans should definitely be higher. Um, I feel like, he, you know, he's had thousand yard seasons since his rookie year. He's very consistent. He's one of Tom Brady's favorite targets, gets the touchdowns. Um, what do you guys think? I, I mean, I personally would put Mike Evans at eight. I, I you know, you have Tyreek Hill now who is going to be go getting passes from, um Tua, you know, so it's not the same as getting Patrick Mahomes. He's not gonna he's not gonna be as much of a home run threat 
as he was last season. So do you guys think Tyreek Hill might be the first one that's too high up on the list? Uh, no, I don't think it's too high. I mean, last year he finished sixth in, in, in wide receivers. I know he's going from Patrick Holmes to Tua. Um, but reports are that, you know, they're building that chemistry with the Dolphins and having an offensive-minded coach um, now in Miami. I think they are going to um, utilize Tyreek Hill to their best abilities, whether it's, you know, in the backfield or whether, you know, it's 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 going deep. I think eight is, is just right. Um, I would put Mike Evans over Keenan Allen for sure, though. I mean, Mike Evans was ninth last year in in fantasy points with 262. Um, Keenan Allen is, you know, that's his ceiling right there in, in terms of, um, you know, what what he is and, and and what he produces. I mean, the guy is is going to be a PPR machine when it comes to receptions, but in terms of the touchdowns, he's not going to give you the the production there. I mean, he had six touchdowns last year. Uh, with 106 catches, so I would just slide Mike Evans up into that um into that ninth spot, and then I would drop Keenan Allen to the tenth tenth spot. Yeah, for me, I I don't have any problem with this with this order. Um, if you're drafting Tyreek Hill at eight, I think you are taking him at his ceiling. Obviously, he you know Tua is is a downgrade from Patrick. He might get similar work, but when you take a look at you know. Tyreek Hill's point output. He was very boomer bust. Um, 37 week one, six week two, 9.7, you know, week three, week four, 47. So he he's he's he he can win you a week, and at the same time, he can also he's not gonna do damage to where you lose a week based off of him, but you know, you're gonna be behind. He should have got you eight more points. Um so out of these three receivers, I think he has the most boom potential. He has the most upside. So I can see why, you know, similar to CeeDee Lamb, why he would go at eight. Um, I would have Mike Evans above Keenan Allen. And my main thing with Keenan, Keenan Allen is the touchdowns aren't there. He He's historically, he's not been a touchdown guy. I think he had six last year, the six the year before that. He He's hyper-targeted. So he's going to get those targets for you. And I think he's a very consistent wide receiver. Like you're not going to be disappointed in him week in and week out. He's not going to get you a 40 point game, right? But he's going to give you a whole lot of 19, 20 for five consecutive weeks, seven, eight consecutive weeks, right? You're going to be like wide receiver six through 10. And you're going to be, and you're going to be happy with that. Mike Evans, he sort of sits in between the two, um, He's not as consistent as Keenan, and but he does have a higher ceiling week to week. Um, and he's obviously not gonna butt or he's not gonna boom like uh Tyreek Hill. Um, 14 touchdowns last year. Um, he had he had a couple, he had multi touchdown games that that you know I think would have done it for you. You would have liked seen more yards and receptions, but. You know, you'll take the touchdowns when you can get them. Really, um, it's going to come down to how how you like the situations for both of them. I think Tyreek Hill is the clear number one in Miami. And I think Keenan Allen, he does have competition, but he is the clear number one. Mike Evans, though, it that wide receiver room, is it's crowded. 
You have Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Julio Jones. Will there be enough work for him? That's really my only concern. Yeah, that'll be the biggest question mark right there in Tampa. But I still think like Mike Evans, especially in the red zone, he is always reliable. He's got like, he might have the best hands in football outside of Devontae Adams. Um, But now this is where it gets interesting. 11 through 15. I know Junie definitely looked at this list and was like, yeah, no. But 10, um, 10, 11, 12, right? Well, 10 is Mike Evans. Um, oh, that's right. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, no. no problem. Yeah. So 11 is T. Higgins and 12 is DJ Moore. Seems okay up to there. And then 13 is A.J. Brown, 14, Michael Pittman Jr., and 15, Scary Terry McLaren. Definitely, this is where I think you get into, like, the field of, like, what you're looking for on your team because – if you just quickly glance at this list, there is no way that Michael Pittman Jr. should be ahead of Terry McLaren based on where no. they stand on their teams, uh, death charts, like, and based on their consistency last year. Um, but maybe, maybe Brad, because I know, I know where Junie's going to stand on this, but maybe Brad can school us on, on why the fantasy gods would want Michael Pittman Jr. to be ahead of Terry McLaren. Uh, yeah, because after Michael Pittman, who else are you going to toss it to in that offense? Um, listen, he he runs a route on ninety six percent of the dropbacks. Okay, only behind Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase. That's through seventeen weeks. Um, twenty four percent target share, right? Eighth highest. Um, the work is going to be there, and at this point, you know, you, I can see why he would go there because. The work is consistently there. There's no one really behind him. Um, you can have Terry ahead of him. I have no problem with that. But Michael Pittman does have huge upside. The, the thing with, with you know, Scary Terry is we know who's behind him. There's a rookie in, in Dotson that they really like, who's a clear number two. He can absolutely eat into his target share. Um, again, you can you can take it any way you want, but Michael Pittman is clearly the best receiving option for that team and i can see why people have them here this is actually where i would have them i would have them closer to you know a 10 10 9 position i i, I disagree brad i mean matt ryan had kyle pitts last year he, and he threw to him 110 times and the guy only had one touchdown kyle pitts is a lot better than michael pittman jr I'm sorry. And in that offense, in that offense, I mean, I I don't expect a lot from Matt Ryan this year. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan fell off the cliff when 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 he lost that Super Bowl uh versus versus the Patriots. Yeah, and, and I can see that argument, but then when you take a look at it, like Matt Ryan had no offensive line and now he walks into arguably a top 5 offensive line in in Indianapolis and you get a guy like Jonathan Taylor to take the load off. You know, um, they also have a better defense. So I can understand the argument. It's really who you like, but I can understand why Michael Pittman would would be there. And and going to Terry, Terry, Terry had um, uh, Heineke throwing him the ball last year, right? He had a he had a a quarterback with 
with a weak arm, with a pop gun arm, and he still produced. So in, in terms of his stats, we're looking at 77 catches, 1,053 yards and five touchdowns. With an upgrade at quarterback and more weapons around him, I think Terry's going to be top. He's going to be outside of that top 10. He has to be outside of that top 10. The dude is that good. Yeah, and I can see that, and I think that this is where it gets really interesting to me. Uh, if, you know, just going off of number eleven, I think T. Higgins, he can actually eat into just into Jamar Chase, and you can argue that T. Higgins was better through the first, you know, first half of the season than than. Yeah, uh, some than, weeks he was better than Chase. Yeah. So, and then T. Higgins gets hurt, and Jamar Chase is you know, then he picks up the production. So T Higgins, um, he's one of those guys who he could, he could very well be higher than 11. Um, we've seen it year in and year out. There are offenses that support multiple wide receiver ones. It's likely going to be Cincinnati again. Um, DJ Moore at 12. I think a lot of people are sort of burned by him. Uh, I'm still a fan. I don't know about you guys. I think he's, He's shown sort of like Terry. He can get it done with, with bad quarterback play. The only thing with you know DJ Moore is he doesn't get touchdowns. So yes, if you're looking, that, that's the problem I have right there. Yeah, it's the inconsistency there. Yeah, um, I mean it's the touchdowns. I mean he had four touchdowns last year. I think the same like four or five the year before. But he's consistently gonna get you, you know, a hundred twenty or more targets. Uh. 85 or more receptions and he's going to get you over a thousand yards. Um, so he's consistent. If you think that there is, you know, a positive regression in touchdown, if he can double it, uh, um, you know, he's one of those guys that you can get later that, that I value. I don't know how, how, how you value the rest of them. Like AJ Brown. AJ Brown is interesting because um, he definitely was targeted by, um, Tannehill last year. He was outside of um Henry. You know, AJ Brown is really the guy that stat padded um Tannehill's numbers last year. You know, like Tannehill could be having an average game, and you know, AJ Brown would break out for a seventy-five yard scamper. Um, you know, last year he, I mean, he did get hurt, but he still had you know eight hundred and sixty-nine yards on sixty-three receptions and five touchdowns, and it doesn't seem that impressive on the face of it, but he did miss some time. So like, and when he was on the field, he was effective. Um, and he is always a home run threat. He's kind of like the cheetah in that aspect. And now he's going to have Hertz throwing to him and Hertz does throw the ball quite a bit. It's not always the most accurate, but AJ Brown is a big body. So like AJ Brown is, is the type of guy that, he, that you can, it seems like you can overthrow him, but he might still catch it. So um, him and 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 Hertz might. Um, I feel like they'll be a good pairing. I like thirteen for him because I feel like like what you guys mentioned about ceilings. I like his ceiling. I think I think he's he's got the type of ceiling to kind of sneak into like the like just outside of that top ten. Um, kind of if, if he's healthy and plays seventeen games. Yeah, I mean AJ Brown to me way too high. I'm not comfortable taking him ahead of like like on ESPN's list. I'm not comfortable taking him ahead of Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddle. Like 
if if I am in, you know, that round and if I'm presented those names, AJ Brown doesn't even make the cut. You know, at this point, it's like, okay, do I want to go with Terry Pittman, Deontay? It's sort of pick your poison. I think AJ Brown to me, um, he's very boom or bust, um, more so than anyone else. Um, and when you're taking him so high, I think he you you have to play him week in and week out week out and and that right there is my only concern with aj brown there's other guys that i have well ahead of him i actually have him closer down to the 20 20s um i don't know how you guys feel about him but i i think the production is going to be there it's 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 just what if i'm going to be drafting this high i expect a lot more consistency and you know I, i'll get that consistency out of uh you know a Pittman or a mclaurin yeah AJ Brown, I I think it should be higher on this list. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I I don't like him at thirteen. I I think he's a he's better than T Higgins. Um, I think he's better than DJ Moore. Uh, with Ryan Tannehill, um, at quarterback last year, and in with the injuries, with the inconsistencies, I think AJ Brown is going to be a lot better with um Jalen Hurts. Um, AJ Brown's a yak guy. He's a guy that doesn't need to, he doesn't need to catch the long ball. You know, he's a big body guy who can, you know, take the ball to the house. I mean, look at some of these games, you know, eight catches, 133 yards, 10 catches, 155 yards, 11 catches, 145 yards. I mean, the guy in terms of PPR, that's what you want. You want the guy who can, who can yes. get the targets, right. And who can take it to the house too and get the yardage. So um, I think if AJ Brown was healthy last year, I mean, he missed four games, you know, and I think his production um, in terms of the fantasy points obviously would be a lot higher, but in terms of this list, I think he should be a lot higher. I mean, once again, um, uh, looking at uh, T Higgins, I mean, I, I like T Higgins, you know, but he's a number two, he's not the number one. And will Jamar chase get a lot of the looks, you know, from the the secondary? Sure. But in terms of we're talking about a number one receiver, AJ Brown is the number one receiver in in Philly, um, next to Devontae Smith. So I mean, I think I think he should be in that eleven to twelve range uh, in my list. And I, you know, I'm I'm kicking Michael Pittman out of the top uh, the top uh, teens. He's 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 more like twenty to me because he's he hasn't done anything in the league. You know, and and what 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 makes you think he's gonna do something this year? I mean, that's just that's just how I feel. Yeah, Pers- I mean, yeah, personally, DJ Moore would be the guy I would kick out of the top fifteen. I I I've never liked him. I mean, he, he's good, but like I just I he's that guy that I see in the list, and I'm like ah, I can't trust drafting him. So like, while I don't. I wouldn't draft AJ Brown ahead of Michael Pittman Jr. or Terry McLaren because I like their floors better. I, I like what they can do in a bad week more than I like what AJ Brown can do in a bad week. I feel like AJ Brown in that sense is very boomer bust. Like when he's a bust in a week, he is like a bust. It is like three points, like like two targets, like it's bad. And I feel like Michael Pittman Jr. and Terry McLaren, they're the type that even on their worst week. Like I feel like their floors are still better. Yeah, but I would draft AJ Brown ahead of like DJ Moore, T Higgins, Keenan Allen. I would draft them ahead of those three. Yeah, I'm not as high as AJ Brown uh, as you guys. I actually, to me, this is why this is the most interesting part 
for this draft. Like the running backs, we can all agree and disagree, but top 12, pretty much set in stone. And like, to me, I see guys on ESPN's list that are sitting there at, you know, at 19, Mike Williams, that I can see you make an argument for that being 13 or 14, right? I can see that with Mike Williams. I can see a path for Scott for, one at twenty five. Yeah, for for like for like a, a Jalen Waddle, and and I think that's why in this year's draft, you really have to do your homework on wide receivers and 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 identify guys that 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 you're just not going to draft. I mean, we've already indicated, but out of this top fifteen, who's the guy you're not drafting? Yeah. I know, I know this, Brad. This is US, USC, USC. I'm taking Say Brown over Michael Pittman all day. Okay. I'm taking, I'm taking Say Brown. Say Brown is going to have a big year this year. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree. But I mean, based off of you know top fifteen, the guy that I'm not taking at, you know, if if it, if it comes down to it, I'm avoiding AJ Brown. Uh, he has to slip two rounds to me. I don't know who you guys are avoiding. DJ Moore on. for me. DJ Moore. Like I, I don't trust him. I just don't. And I mean, Junie's made it pretty clear. Michael Pittman Jr. is nowhere near his top fifteen. So we can yeah, see. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that, that's who I'm avoiding. Other than Michael Pittman, I would say um, Mike Williams. Obviously, you know he's a guy that is very inconsistent. Uh, he he had a great start to. Um, his uh, his season last year, but it was a contract year, right? So, I mean, is the guy really going to have the production he did, um, you know, in terms of the first seven games um, this year? And, I, you know, I don't think so because that's that's not in his DNA. Uh, DK Metcalf, you know, is, is uh, you know, is a guy not to sleep on. I think he has a lot to prove and, um, you know, you know, we'll see about their quarterback situation, but I, I think he's another guy that, you know, is is going to fall just because of the quarterback situation. But, you know, he is a top talent. Yeah. And I mean, just to go further, you know, 16 through 30 off of ESPN's list. Is there anyone here that you absolutely love and are like hyper targeting? I know myself, I am. I'm looking at uh, Alan Robinson, number 28 on the list. I think he's a great value. If he drops, even better. Um, I don't know about you guys, but Allen Robinson's in, in the next 15. He's one of those guys that I definitely have much higher. I I would say uh, for me, it's Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is going to, he's going to eat. He's going to be the X factor for the Raiders. Uh, when Darren Waller gets double teamed, when Devontae Adams has two guys on him, I think Hunter Renfro is going to, you know, see a big jump in production. Um, in terms of PPR, he's that he's that second wide receiver that you love to have, Mr. Consistency. I mean, the guy is gonna, you know, average between seven to eight receptions a game. So um having another or having the the weapon in Devontae Adams, you know, I I think he's gonna score more touchdowns. Yeah, For that's me. actually that's yeah. a name that until you brought it a lot, I didn't really think much about him, but definitely have to do homework on him. For me, it's Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh. Yeah. He has Patrick Mahomes throwing to him now. I mean, you know, like that alone makes him 
look interesting. And we know what he's done in the past when he got when he gets the targets. And um, he's still going to have Travis Kelsey in that offense. He's still going to have Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And, you know, there's Nicole Hardman. The, the, there's some solid options there. MVS. So I, I think I, I think he's due for a big year, man. I, th- I, I think that now that the Cheetah's not there, someone has to become their, you know, not the home. He's not going to be the home run threat, but he's going to be. Patrick Mahomes security blanket. He's going to be the guy that Mahomes is going to like when plays break down, he's going to find them in the middle of the field. Yeah. I mean, I can see that my, I mean, he had to get his knee drained. That that would be my, my only question is, you know, how healthy is he going to be for the majority of the season? But if he hits, he hits. Um, And one of those options that Patrick Mahomes has behind him, Sky Moore, a rookie. And I almost would call this the, the Jose Lopez special, he likes to take rookie wide receivers. Um, I mean, th- that's just who he is. He, he'll he definitely gamble on it more than anyone else. Um, but yeah, Jose, is there any rookie wide receivers that, that, that you would target? Um, we have plenty. We have Drake London. We have Olave. We have Sky Moore, um, j- just to name a few. George Pickens getting a lot of buzz out of Pittsburgh. Jahan Dotson. Right. Is there out of those, since you seem to be able to pick them, any of those wide receivers, just you, you, you really like the value and you are, and you target them if they fell to you. Jahan Dotson. Okay. Because I know that he's going to likely be the number two and I, and it's, but people don't know that much about him. Well, Junie's going to know about him, but you know, like a lot of other people are going to sleep on him because he he went to the you know he went to the commanders he didn't and he went to Penn State so it's not like he went to this huge school that we know about him as much as we know about like Jameson Williams or Garrett Wilson. Um, so I I definitely think that he is someone that people could sleep on and you could find them kind of like how I found Jalen Waddle, kind of in the later rounds in last year's draft and may I didn't get a chance to play Waddle for like the first eight, nine weeks because, you know, he was still adapting to the Dolphins offense. But then I started noticing like the numbers increase. And then I was like, you know what? I have injuries. I have to play them. And, and boom, he, you know, he, he hit for me. And and the year before it was uh, Jefferson and, you know, so like, you just, you know, it is a gamble. Rookies are always a gamble because you have nothing to look on, uh, on from the year before, but, I definitely think that he would be the one that would be worth taking a gamble on. Yeah. Junie, you have any rookies you're targeting? Rookie wide receivers? He, Jose stole the name out of my, my mouth. I've been I've been preaching to to you guys this whole offseason how Jahan Dotson is is going to have a a bomb rookie year. I mean, look what he did at Penn State. He did it with a below average quarterback and he did it with these these defenses in the Big Ten, knowing that they were going to throw the ball to him, now he's playing with a wide receiver one, Terry McLaurin. He's playing with a Logan Thomas, uh, Curtis Samuel, and 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 those running backs. I mean, you got weapons all over the field. Carson Wentz likes to throw short, and 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 he likes to throw that deep ball. He's going to eat. He's going to eat all day. So I mean, if you can get a Jahan Dotson later in the draft, I mean, that's a steal. You yeah, know? you might be able to pick him up, and you know last two or three rounds possibly your last round so definitely a dart throw and name to keep in mind for me i i can see you know john dotson eating like you guys said but just to throw another name out there i think 
Olave and Traylon Burks in Tennessee. I think both of those guys are going to be given a chance. And, you know, when it comes to rookies, I'm going to trust the talent. Um, and I think they're going to be given opportunities. Maybe not as much as John Dotson, but I can see that, you know, Olave might have a legitimate shot at wide receiver one on that team. Same thing with Traylon Burks, right? With John Dotson, he's going to be their number two. And if, you know, he's going to be a solid number two, but I don't think he's, I don't think he has a route to be wide receiver one. So those would be the two names I put out there. And if you, and if you have an eye on your injury reserve spot to that, you can just store someone for a few weeks, Jamison Williams with the lions. He is definitely someone to store. If he is ready for the second half of the season, he could be another name. Um, he would have definitely been the first receiver taken off the board had he not torn his ACL in the, in the championship game. So if he's ready for like week 10, I definitely think that he is someone that is worth holding on to on your IR. Would you, you draft? You, you mean you don't want to uh, store store Michael Thomas? No, wanna... like he's he's been injured for three years. <laughs> like I, we all took a chance on him last year. Like, in in one of our leagues, I'm sure. Like I had Michael Thomas sitting on my injury reserve for like twelve weeks, and then finally he was like, "Yeah, I'm not coming back." So it's like, oh well, glad I wasted my my spot for you. You know, like you bring that up, but Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, um, those might be guys that I'd be willing to stash. Um, I don't know. Jameson Williams, I trust the talent. Um, rookie year, getting it in the late half. I don't know if it's going to connect fast enough for him. But yeah, that's, you know, that's the the, the wide receiver list. Uh, it's I, honestly, it's like, it might be the hardest one to really be able to pinpoint like a top like 15. Cause there's just so many talented receivers um, out there, but now moving on to one that's pretty easy to pinpoint like a top seven, top eight um, tight ends, like very top heavy. Like when we talk about top heavy, it is top heavy. Um, you know, like, if you don't get one of like the top five guys, you might as well just um, streamline your your tight end week to week. Um, but when when you when you guys look at the list, like so, we we start with Kelsey at one, Andrews at two, and Pitts at three. Do you guys agree with that order for one, two, and three? Not necessarily. I actually would have Mark Andrews one, Pitts two, Kelsey three. My issue with Travis Kelty is, listen, he's always been tight end one, but it's just the age. It's hard for me to put talent like Mike, Mark Andrews, who's going to get a lot of opportunity, and Kyle Pitts ahead of an aging Travis Kelsey. Like, it's absolutely possible that Travis Kelsey is the clear tight end one. But preseason, I would actually go Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts as one and two. Yeah, I, I agree with Brad. I mean, Mark Andrews is definitely the number one tight end for me. That's yeah. um, Lamar Jackson's safety blanket. Um, it's obvious last year he had the most fantasy points for tight ends, uh, 307. Uh, after that, I would slide Kelsey. Um, I think he's going to have a better year than he did last year. Uh, he was second in tight end points with uh, 262, uh, with especially with Tyreek Hill leaving. I think um, Pat Mahomes is going to rely on him a lot more. Um and then three, uh, Kyle Pitts. You know, Kyle Pitts is definitely going to have a, a a bomb year. 
Last year he was sixth in in, in production for fantasy points, one seventy six. I think he's definitely going to have more touchdowns. I think Mariota is going to find him a lot. Um, but yeah. So I personally think Pitts is going to be one. Okay. I think when the year's over, I think Pitts is going to be the the one. I think Andrew. I like Andrews at two, and I like Kelsey at three because I agree. You know, at some point, you know, Kelsey's got to start like showing his age. We know that he's been dominant all these years, but like at some point, you know, he's got to slow down just a step. But yeah, I think Kyle Pitts is going to get fed, man. Like who else is there? You know, um, Ridley is out for the year, suspended. Um, you know, Gage left to the Bucks. Like so, Drake London's Drake London. a rookie. Drake London, you know, he's a rookie though. So like, while he adapts, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be their main target. So I, I think Pitts is definitely going to get fed, and when it's all said and done, I think he'll be one. And you know, now when we look at like four and five, we got Waller and Kittle. Kittle definitely, you know, was hurt a lot last year. Um, Brad, I'm sure that this hits a soft spot for you, a sore spot. Do you do you agree with Kittle being all the way down at five? Yeah, I agree with it. Um, you have to take injuries into concern, and you have to take into into consideration that yes, Trey Lance there behind him. I think he's gonna produce. And, you know, if tight end was more competitive fantasy football, he might be further down. But he's a guy that he's not going to be dependent on receptions and targets. If he gets the ball in open space, I, I think he's he's probably the best tight end out there, right? You're just not going to bring him down. He's got the speed. Um, yeah, so, yeah, five, uh, th- that's doable. I, I think he's a little bit better than Darren Waller. I think Darren Waller, he's going to see – you know, his usage being eat into. Um, and, and he sort of fell off last year. I think he can return really. When I take a look at, you know, these top five, I take a look at, you know, the price you're willing to pay for, you know, a George Kittle and, and, uh, Darren Waller. Um, to me that I'm not a fan of drafting tight ends. You guys know it. I stream it. I'll punt them to like, 11th round, 12th round, 13th round. So it's hard for me to justify this. Um, but but yeah, if, if George Kittle and Darren Waller fell to me, I'd definitely pick him up. But yeah, I, I, I agree with it. Waller and Kittle are sort of interchangeable for me. Yeah, I don't I don't have any problems with Darren Waller at four, George Kittle at five. I do have a problem with Hawkinson at six. Um, I think Schultz should be up there. I mean, he was third in the fantasy points last year with 208. I think, uh, you know, he's going to going to be used uh, a lot more with Amari being gone. Um, eight touchdowns. That's pretty solid. Uh, 78 receptions. So I, I, I see him uh, being a lot higher than TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson was hurt last year. Uh, only uh, he was 16th in, in points, 134. So um, I, I would slide uh, Dalton Schultz to the sixth spot. I agree. I had um, I had Schultz last year in a league, and he was very reliable. Like, you know, even on, like, his worst week, he was the type of, he was the type of dude that would get you, like, between 10 and 15 points, like, you know, consistently. He And there were some weeks where, where Dak fed him more. But I definitely think he is he is his safety blanket. Um I I um and Hawkinson, I just I feel like 
we waited all of last season for him to have that big game. He had some okay games, but there was nothing special from him. And and that was, you know, with like a very like weak wide receiver room. I mean, we know Amon St. Brown came on, came on at the end of the year, but like there wasn't like a clear number one receiver to where Hawkinson couldn't have had a bigger year, especially with Goff throwing to him. You know, Goff, you know, he's we get like his shortcomings in, in L.A., but if he proved one thing is that he can definitely deliver the ball to his, to his receivers. And so, yeah, Hawkinson at six, that's like the first question mark that, that comes up for me. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with Junie. I mean, Dalton Schultz finished tight end number four. If anything, we should really be making, we should be asking the question, should he be higher than Darren Waller? Um, he clearly finished last season better than him. Darren Waller finished, you know, what uh, tight end number 16, Schultz at four, uh, TJ Hawkinson. You know, I, I can see why why you're why you'd be optimistic about a guy like TJ Hawkinson, but not enough to bump him up over Dalton Schultz. Hawkinson finished um what do you tight end 13? Um, so so I do have questions about that. You know, Dalton Schultz should definitely be up higher. TJ Hawkinson, I think, is he's in that next tier right below him. Um and better offense too for Dalton Schultz. Yeah. And I feel like after seven is where you really get into the ah shit. Might as well just, you know, wait until the thirteenth round. You the know, streamers. You got, the, yeah. These are the streamers. You got Dallas Goddard at eight, Zach Ertz at nine, and Pat Fairmouth at ten. Um, you know, Ertz and, and Goddard, they had some good weeks, especially Goddard. I feel like, you know, at, at times he was Hertz's favorite target, which is why Ertz ended up in, in Arizona by the end of the season. But Pat Framworth, really? Like, is he really a top 10? No, I think I think you're really taking him based off of possibility and projection. At this point, I think it's, you know, dart throws. Um, You know, Dallas Goddard. Uh, finished uh, tight end number seven last year for Philadelphia and Zach Ertz. He finished, you know, tight end number six. I think those guys are are great value, uh, especially at the tight end position. You look, Dallas Goddard going uh, average draft position of 73, right around, you know, six, seventh round. If if there are wide receivers that 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 you like better, you can definitely take them there. Same thing with Zach Ertz, average draft position 90, right around, you know, round seven through nine is where I've seen him go in mock drafts. And that's a comfortable position that I would pay for a tight end. That's that's right around the position where I would start to consider tight ends. I don't sleep on my boy, uh, Mike Gusecki, guys. You know, if you if you need a if you need a streamer, you know, he's your streamer right there. Actually, yeah. for me, if you need a streamer, I'd be looking at David uh, Njoku in Cleveland. I think him being at 18 is kind of a disrespect. Dude came on last year. He was supposed to get cut or traded by Cleveland, and he ended up being, like, the most reliable target for um, Baker Mayfield. Um, and he actually ended up getting an extension this offseason. So, I mean, he's definitely someone that I would consider if, like, I'm, like, at round 11 – He'd be one that I'd have circled. I'm like, okay, Joku's still there. I I could see myself being comfortable having him for more than like having him on my roster for like um, multiple weeks. 
Yeah, for me, like similar to what you guys are saying, for these tight end positions, I'm honestly looking at opportunity. And it doesn't hurt if you're on a good offense. That's why I'm like a guy like Dawson Knox is one of those guys that I think, you know, depending on 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 your home league, um, he's one of those guys, you know, ESPN has him at 12. You might be able to pick him up in the later rounds, 14, 13. Um, but he has Josh Allen throwing to him. He finished 10th last year, um, nine touchdowns, 71 targets, 49 receptions. I think the work is there, and and that's more than enough work to be considered, you know, to for me to draft you at pretty much. If he doesn't pan out, you know, I don't lose out on much, and I can pick someone up like a Mike Kosicki if he's still available, um, a Gerald Everett, you know, just whoever. Dawson Knox is one of the names that I like for tight ends. Jose, quick question: Would you would you uh, would you draft or pick up Robert Tunyon again? Fuck <laughs> no, no. He frustrated me so much last year, and that was I know he did. I know he did. I know he did. I ended up trading. I ended up trading Amari Cooper to you for <laughs> for Pitts because I, I was just so frustrated. I'm like, this fucking guy. He was supposed to be, and I drafted him a little bit higher than I should have too because I was like, oh, Tunyon, he got all those touchdowns the year before, sweet. And then well, he was getting me like freaking two points a game. Oh uh, like, yeah, yeah. Tunyon's one of those guys. Uh, 2020 finished tight end number four. But what should have been an alarm bell for everyone was he had 52 receptions off of 59 targets. So, and he had 11 touchdowns. You just, one out of every five receptions was a touchdown. That to me is like a giant red flag. Definitely should have regressed. I don't know if he's going to be as bad as 45. He might be able to crack, you know, tight end 16, um, possibly, you know, depending on touchdown works, if it, if it goes his way with Devonte Adams being out, he might be able to break into the top 12, but definitely one of those guys that, that I wouldn't consider drafting again. I, I think you would stream them. Um, yeah, it's just tight end. That's, this is a, this is a minefield for me. It's a landmine, especially if you're drafting them too high. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's our list, guys. You know, um, tight end, you know, definitely the easiest pie that we had to do just because it is very top heavy. Um, but you yeah. know, and if there's a position that you can stream week to week, it is that, you know. Yeah. And and actually just to go back to like wide receivers, just to talk about our home league. Um, like we are wide receiver heavy in our league. Um, some teams play four. I know Jose likes to play four wide receivers. We actually have more teams this year going from 10 to 12. Um, are you more hyper-focused on drafting wide receivers in the early and middle rounds because it's going to be thin this year? Or are, are, are you... Absolutely. Are you trying to take, like, dart throws? Absolutely. You have to have a good combination of both. You might have to... You might have to sacrifice quarterback for wide receiver this year and kind of trust that you can pick a good like like how you do, Brad. You never like draft 
quarterbacks and and white and tight ends you don't draft early in and in, in drafts and then the last year that backfired on you because you had sam darnold and um you ended up having to trade for matt stafford but most years it does work out for you even when you had mr 30 for 30 Jameis winston so if you guess right and you can get like a Derek Carr, you can get like a Kirk Cousins. I know Kirk Cousins blows, but like, you know, he numbers wise, he actually puts up decent numbers and that allows you to pick up an extra wide receiver earlier in the draft. Like it, this might be the draft where we have to do that because um, we are very wide receiver heavy. And, you know, if we don't get them in the first five, six rounds, you might start getting into the slim pickings, um, in the later half of the draft, um, I don't know how you guys are going to strategize your draft, but yeah, for me, definitely wide receivers is at the top. Yeah, wide receivers and running backs are always at the you know at the top of the list when it comes to drafting. For me, obviously, you know you want to you know get your um, RB ones, uh, wide receiver ones, um, you know in in that top you know three or four rounds. But uh, I think this draft, uh, especially in our league, you have to really do your homework on, you know, the wide receiver twos and the wide receiver threes, especially with the rookies. I mean, because that's where you're you're going to hit big um, with with a lot of these, uh, you know, you know, Chris Olave, Josh, uh, Josh Dotson, um, you know, these guys who um, you, you, you could get later in, in the draft, these gems and, you know, possibly win your league. So for me, it's always position players. Uh, quarterback is not, you know, last year I, I went high on Dak. I think I went a little too high on Dak. I think I got him in the, uh, the I think, what did I get him in the sixth round? Sixth, sixth or seventh round. Uh, but for me, um, definitely wide receiver running back is is definitely going, going to be at the top of the list. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree. I think it's, it's one of those two where you definitely need to, hyper target wide receivers again it depends on your home league but ppr with three wide receivers and a flex i think for our league it makes sense and and like you alluded to like there is a good range for quarterbacks this year uh, i don't know if you guys have been doing any mock drafts but i've been able to get an aaron rodgers in round 13 a dak prescott in round 12 a tom brady in round 10 so it's one of those to where if you just let the pieces fall, I think you can pan out. Really, the only X factor would be as if you have Jose's brother in your draft who loves to draft uh, quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Uh, I'll have to do my – I'll have to check the pass. Um, but, yeah, let, let me see here. I, I know – He always has three. He does three. Yeah, yeah. Of... You are right. He – he drafts three last year, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Stafford, Ryan Tannehill year before that Wilson Goff and Carr. And Hey, if you hit, you hit and you take a quarterback off the board that can't be played against you, but man, it's hard to justify this year, especially giving up wide receiver capital at those rounds. I agree. And yeah, I mean, last year it paid off for him because he got to trade Matt Stafford to you, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, that, like, I personally am always thin at running back and a backfire sometimes, but I always prioritize wide receivers. That That's just how I like to do my team. And um, I always keep two quarterbacks. And 
and wide receivers where I usually have the extras. Um, I never have an extra tight end. I never, you know, never have an extra defense. Like even if I had like Baltimore's defense, I wouldn't save them. Like uh, I cut like on the bye week. Yeah, this year for me, I think where I draft quarterback is is what your brother's planning to do. If he drafts three quarterbacks early, I may have to get a, take a quarterback early because I think the rest of the league might follow suit. So it should be interesting. Yeah, that's true. It might be a panic move. Mm-hmm. So then you also have to, yeah, kind of pay attention to the trend. But, you know, it's exciting. Um, drafts, draft, it's draft time right now up until, like, you know, when we get to week one. So I hope everybody, you know, does their notes. Um, definitely also, like, you know, we're basing our projections on a PPR league. If you're in a standard league, if you're in a different type of league, you def you have to go a different route. You know, you can't you can't prioritize it the same way because the way that these players will be able to get you the points will be a lot different. Um, but yeah, and to to finish off, you know, let, let, let let's talk a little uh basketball. Um um Pat Bev to the Lakers, what? Like, you know, it's a, 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 apparently, you know. It's it's you know it's it's close to being a done deal. Um, Pat Bev for Taylor Horn Tucker and Stanley Johnson. I mean, we know that Pat Bev has been you know promoting himself to LA for like ever since the offseason began. Um, we know LeBron wants him there. He wants to be there. Uh, could you guys see this being a move that that shifts the Lakers from um, being considered like a playing team to maybe being more serious? contender i don't i don't it's not a shift where it's 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 like they go from not even making to the or not making the playoffs to to winning the championship but it's a shift in you know they got a dog now they got a guy who's going to call out you know lebron he's going to call out anthony davis um he, he brings toughness he brings leadership uh he brings defense something that the Lakers don't have. And um, I think, I think if they decide to keep Westbrook, I think he's going to help Westbrook, you know, cause uh, right now Westbrook is mentally fragile. And I think a guy like Pat Bev, you know, even though he talks a lot of shit, he's a motivator and he's a guy that, you know, let's face it. I mean, he did help Minnesota, you know, win, you know, or get to the playoffs and win a playoff game or playoff games. But, you know, in reality, you know, he's a guy that's going to bring toughness. He's going to bring leadership. And, and that's something that the Lakers didn't have last year. Yeah, I think that they're definitely a step closer to the championship, but they're still a mile away from it. Step in the right direction. You have to give them credit for that. Um, you know, they have to obviously add more pieces like Junie alluded to, you know, you can at least consider them, you know, serious contenders for a seven eight position out west you're still not going to contend um you need a lot of things to go your way with ad being healthy lebron james being healthy in order for you to be considered a, a serious threat i do like it they do have questions um you know for the lakers still but you know th they made the right decision here if it happens i agree i like it um it's a good start but you know they still need to do a lot more and to finish off, 
what do you guys make of this Brooklyn circus? Like now Katie is staying like, like, I'm sorry, but like, this just seems like, you know, they're just blowing each other. And like, you know, <laughs> it's just like, it's like, how long, how long do we really expect this happy marriage to last? Like Katie clearly does not respect Sean Marks or, or Steve Nash, Steve Nash and Sean Marks know that because he asked the owner to get rid of them. How, you know, like, how can they really move forward and in peace, you know, when Kyrie requested out, KD requested out, the rest of that locker room knows that they don't they don't want to be there. Ben Simmons is like, you know, he's fragile. Like, you know, like he they say one mean thing to him and he's going to want to miss the rest of the season for, you know, because they hurt his feelings. So like that, that that team is a mess. Like, do you guys really think that they can go this whole season without making any trades? Yeah, I think so. I honestly, I, I think they came to the conclusion that, you know, we're, we have to do this for the kids. You know, it's not a good marriage. But you got kids and you're going to see see them through until they're 18. And then you're going to, you know, give each other the deuces and go go your separate ways. I think that's where they're at. I think KD is just trying to make himself viable for the future. Same thing with the Nets. You know, they both realize that they both have a lot to lose, but they can salvage, you know, a little bit from this relationship. Um, you know, it, it, it is what it is in 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 the... The NBA uh, landscape, I'm sort of just tired of talking about it at this point. Um, if it happens, it happens, but, you know. Yeah, I, I think the Nets are stupid because both these players are toxic. And one day they say they want to be traded. The next day they say they want to stay. What's going to happen in the regular season when they start losing games and they're they're staring at that seventh and eighth seed again? What are they going to say? Trade me again? Yeah. Like the net, the Nets should get whatever they can for Durant. You know, whether it's you know uh, a trade to Memphis. You know, you get Bain and you know those young guys and draft picks. Get whatever you can for him because you guys aren't going to win. Like like uh, it's August twenty fourth right now, and I'm 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 already calling it for them that they're not gonna they're not even gonna sniff. You know the Eastern Conference Finals because no, because you got you got Milwaukee, you got Boston, you got Philadelphia. They're all better teams. That they all like each other. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like a Chicago health a healthy Chicago team. I put them ahead. You know, yeah. like yep. There's four teams already. Like I think the Lakers and the and the Nets should just make a reality ser- series called our 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 daily circus life. Because they're both like, you know, they're big markets, but they're they're a fucking mess. Like, there's no other way to describe these two franchises. They're both messes. They have a lot of superstars, but shitty teams because they can't just, you know, all get on the same page and do their job. And, you know, again, everyone's going to talk about the Lakers and the Nets because they're big markets. But at the end of the day, should we be talking about them? No, we should be talking about the Warriors. We should be talking about, you know, the Celtics, the teams that are actually contenders for the title right now. But we're all, you know, at the end of the day, we're always going to be focused on the Lakers. We're always going to be focused like on the Nets, you know, and that's just how it is. But yeah, I, I, I don't expect them to do much. I expect Kyrie to sit out back-to-backs because apparently it's inhumane to ask a basketball player to play on multiple nights. 
Um, and I expect Durant to do his job because he has four years left on his contract. He shouldn't have signed that extension if he wasn't happy there. But of course, he wanted the money. He wanted the bag. So now you know what? Dude, you got four years left on that contract. You got no no place to be complaining about wanting out. And yeah, that's a, that's our show for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, until the next time, it's, it's the fifth down. Have a good night. Later. Later.